Good morning. Have a seat, you guys. <clears throat> I think either me or Sheridan handed you one of these as you walked in. If you do not have one of these, there's some on the table. Um, it's going to be critical for you to have one of these as we walk through this morning. Um, and these kind of take the place of slides that are typically up there. So uh, we'll just follow right along through this little booklet that you have um, in front of you. So uh, have that handy and ready and prepared. Uh, as we kind of walk through here, um, I, and a British pastor who is kind of a pastor to pastors, or was kind of a pastor to pastors, uh, a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones, says this about using Scripture to guide your prayers. He says, there is a sense in which what the Scriptures do is teach us how to speak to ourselves. There's a sense in what the scriptures do is teach us how to speak to ourselves. And he said this in the context of the question is how does, how does scripture change the way we pray? How does it shape? How does it guide the way we pray? And so it's, it's this idea from Martin Lloyd-Jones that kind of guides and directs what we will think through this morning. Um, and it's a... <clears throat> You guys, if you've been around for the last three weeks, you know that we're focusing in, directing, visioning, casting, guiding North Church to to pray. And we've prayed before, but this is really an intent focus around prayer. 2013 is going to be a year of prayer. And uh, so we've, we've kind of focused that. But this morning, what kind of where this message was born in my heart was that my job is to put in your hands tools to do what God is calling us to do. So this is what this attempt is, is for you guys to have a tool to begin to pray. Because I think from my own heart, a big part of when someone says pray, I think, dear God, and then lay at the feet all of the circumstances that I see in my life or people that I love's life, or people that I'm connected to one or two generations, and, and I pray for for them. I've got a, a really good friend whose, whose brother-in-law is, is fighting cancer. His, when I think of prayer, that's what I think of. Or I've got a, a, an old friend I used to play basketball with 15 years ago who's fighting cancer. I think of when I'm told to pray, that's what I pray for. Or I pray for North Church. Or I pray for the marriages at North Church. And, and I'm praying for circumstances. Does that make sense? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's valuable. When God teaches us to pray, he teaches us to pray about our circumstances. Give us our daily bread. And, uh, and so it's, it's important for us to pray about the things that burden us circumstantially. But I think prayer that God has for us and the prayer that God is directing us towards is way bigger than circumstantial prayer. And that's what I want to get at this morning. And that's why I wanted to, to hand you guys a booklet so that you guys could walk out those doors with something tangible to begin to help you to connect with what that was. So this wasn't just, you know, 30 minutes on a Sunday morning and, and maybe you remember, you know, a, a few minutes of, of what we talked about. But you could have something that you could stick in your Bible and you could keep there or you could put on your nightstand or whatever to help you to engage what it means to engage, to allow the scriptures, to allow the Psalms to guide your prayers. Does that make sense? Um, so this sermon this morning is, is not just about 
prayer, but it's about connecting our hearts with the heart of God, learning to walk in abiding, communing relationship with him, and pressing that communing and abiding nature to the front of our brains. Does that make you, you follow that? It's sometimes it, when I say the, the front of our brains, it's something that, that is constantly on sort of the, the tip of our tongue is to, to speak these, these prayers out to God. And also, as, as we kind of walk through here, I, I want, want you to connect with this idea that the very nature of prayer is the confession that we are in need of God. Do you see that? When, when I go and pray for my circumstances, when I go and pray for the, the two guys I talked about who are fighting with cancer, when I, when I go and pray for your marriages, when I go and pray for North Church, I'm at the heart confessing that what is in me and what is in those that I'm praying for is in need. And, and so that reminds us, as we pray, we need to be reminded of the gospel, that we are in need and God is in plenty, and he is meeting those needs, or not meeting those needs. So I, I want us to be reminded of those two things, that we're trying to, to learn to walk in cadence with the heart of God, and we're understanding that there is a deep need that is connected with us. So open, open that, that booklet, and let's, uh, let's walk through that. <clears throat> Kind of uh, <clears throat> three purposes that have been laid out here. The foremost purpose of this booklet is to make 2013 a year of prayer that we would put in the front of our consciousness the desire to commune and abide with God. <clears throat> Second thing, the Psalms are the very word of God given to you and I as a precious gift to reveal his heart, character, and personality. I want to pause just for a second there, <clears throat> and realize what, 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 we're, what we're seeing here, what we're engaging. The, the Psalms are the very Word of God, and their design is to reveal the heart and the character and the personality of God. And if the point of, of prayer, as we're guiding and directing, if the point of that is to really just abide and commune and have a deep relationship with him, wouldn't it serve us well to understand the personality and the character of the person that we're engaging with? And so it's, there's no greater tool in my mind for us to guide our prayers than the Psalms because they, they do just that. They reveal the heart and the character of God. The last thing... <clears throat> If you're holding this booklet, there have been prayers lifted to God for you, for your hands that are holding that booklet, that God would, would commune with you as a result of, of us engaging and interacting with, with what's here, all right? Uh, I, I want to <clears throat> caution us, too, that prayer and all the, the disciplines that we'll talk about today, prayer and journaling and meditation, these things can become religious activities and that can become the end. The re like 
I prayed today. I journaled today. I meditated today. I, I looked at this booklet today. But there's more to it than just the, the simple act of, of what's happening. Uh, so flip over to, to that next page there, the categories of the Psalms. This is a kind of a list. It's not an exhaustive list of the Psalms. And uh, bear with me here. This, is, this part of the, of the message is going to be kind of like class lecture type as we learn here. But then we're going to kind of get to the heart of actually participating in some of this stuff and, and seeing what it, what it looks like to engage the Psalms and then commune with them. So, so bear with uh, this, this little bit here. Um, so these, these categories here are, are by no means exhaustive as to, you know, every psalm is going to fit into one of these categories. That's not the way it's intended to be. But these are, are big generalities of, of the psalms. That, that things, each psalm will fit basically into one of these categories. There could be many, many more, but these are the ones that, that really we kind of center on. And as you, as you read the psalms, I want you to understand this, is we're reading this particular psalm. Maybe it's a, a lament psalm, or maybe it's a, a psalm celebrating, celebrating God. Maybe it's a, a, a psalm of, of trust or, or a kingship or, or something like that. But ultimately, this is, this is what it does. And for us to, to understand this, it is, I've used this illustration before, is where we're, you know, you guys are looking at this, this podium, this, this music stand from, from that perspective. Maybe that's a lament psalm. I'm looking at this music stand from, from this perspective. Maybe that's a, a praise psalm. And so the psalms are, are so beautifully rounded so as for us to be able to engage and see. Now I'm looking at this from a different perspective. I, I see different pieces to it. And over here I'm seeing different pieces to it and different how the, the light catches it from this angle as opposed to that angle. And, and the psalms and the roundedness of the psalms, and as we understand that there are different categories of psalms, we can connect with this idea that God is a person with character, with personality, with traits. And, and we can examine his love. We can examine how we engage him when we're in a state of praise or how we engage him when we're in a state of lament or how we engage him when we're celebrating his discipline of our lives. Or, and, and the, the beautiful part about the Psalms that they're just, they're, they're so schizophrenic. That one Psalm is, is David saying, where are you, God? And the next one is saying, God, thank you for being near to me. And then the next Psalm is, God, where are you? Literally. The very next Psalm is that. And so this gives you permission and encouragement. Permission to argue with God. Permission to, to question him, to know, wonder where he is. This is the word of God given to you to engage his character and his heart. And as we see and as we wrestle with all of these different categories of psalms and place the psalms into these categories, we can begin to develop this idea that God is a, is a person with personality and traits and character. And, and we can see his love not as a Sunday school lesson, but his love as a personality trait. And as we engage the Psalms, these things come to life in our world. So let, I want to read these and, and kind of discuss them briefly about what each one of these things means. First, a lament psalm. I think this is probably the, the most frequent of the Psalms of the categories, lament. 
laying a troubling situation at the feet of God and asking for help. I think the beautiful part here is when we engage this psalm, when we engage the lament psalm, we understand that we are not alone. I had a conversation with uh, John Ryan. He's a guy that disciples me. He's the, the pastor of the Summit Community Church who, who birthed us. And I had a conversation with him um, the other day. I was like, I've kind of talked about this. Is we're kind of wrestling with Cooper these days and, and his like he's got this serious anger, just a quick anger. And, and most of the time, I respond gently to him and say, Cooper, let's, you know, I'm, I'm in this tone of voice. But sometimes I'm like raging, angry, like spitting. I'm yelling and just going crazy. And so after that was finished, I'm done. And it's 20 minutes later, and my blood pressure is down again. And my reaction is, who is that guy yelling at his son? And it broke my heart. And I began to get confused and frustrated at myself and thinking that, man, I bet John Ryan doesn't yell at his kids. And it began to, to engage my heart with, with just this suffering and, and internal anguish in my heart. So I go and I talk to John and we're walking through this stuff and he's like, dude, yeah, like two days ago, that was me. And the freedom that that brought to me that I was not the only church plant pastor who yelled at his children brought a peace to my heart. I mean, it's not that I'm, I'm not warring against that and I don't want to do that, but to understand that I'm not the only one who laments what's inside of my heart. In this particular perspective, this is what the the lament psalms do for us. We're not alone. You're not alone in your confusion, your anger, your suffering, your anguish, your lament. You're not alone in any of that. You're not alone in wondering, where in the world is God? You're not alone. I'm there. The person next to you is there. David was there. Next one, praise. Calling God's people to admire God's attributes and deeds. Very simple. Don't need a lot of explanation there what a praise psalm is. It's just calling us to vision, to look at a beautiful attribute of who he is. Thanksgiving. Thanking God for his answer to a particular petition, both individual and in community. Celebrating God's law. This is one for me when I kind of lean towards, I think you know this, you can lean towards like, religion or you can lean towards uh, acceptance, I lean towards the acceptance side. And so sometimes it's kind of hard for me to celebrate God's law. Do this. So it, it, it can be hard for me to celebrate this. But Psalm 119 is a psalm celebrating God's law in obedience. And it teaches my heart as I engage that psalm and other psalms that celebrate obedience, it engages my heart to, to give courage, to to fully develop my understanding of who God is. And this is what it means to pray. This is where we're guiding and directing us to pray. Next, wisdom. Arranging themes from wisdom books, Job, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, etc., into poetry. Now, I want to kind of parenthetically insert this, that the Psalms are poetry. They're designed... 
They're written with the intent to engage the heart with an, a theme, an idea, a concept, a personality trait. That's their purpose. The Psalms are poetry. And as a result, they're ready-made to engage our hearts. Trust. <clears throat> Reflecting on the benefits and beauty that grows from trusting God. Reading a psalm about trust helps us to bring us to a place to, from the perspective, see the, the trustworthiness of God. And as you read these psalms and, and say to yourself, this is something about trust. I am, I am looking at the trustworthiness of God as I read this psalm. And then allow that to, to become your prayer. We'll talk more about that as we get into the specifics here. Last, or second to last, kingly, looking, at, looking to a reigning or coming king and kingdom. When we engage that, we see the perspective, that image of God as a, reigning, a currently reigning king or a coming king to establish a kingdom. Last one is historical, learning lessons from history about God's protection and provision. Okay. Flip over to the next page, and now's, now's the time where this gets really fun. I'm starting to get excited. <clears throat> Praying, meditating, and journaling. Actually practicing this. And, and a lot of people would, would understand these three disciplines as different. I think they all kind of come together. Praying is the big banner, and Subpoints under that are, are praying, meditating, and journaling. They all fall under this banner of prayer and praying. But as we do this, I want to press to the front of our brains this idea that we need God. It's not just some religious activity, but it is the abiding, communing relationship with God the Father is the end. The end is not writing on a piece of paper. The end is not stopping and thinking about a particular word or phrase. The end is engaging and abiding with a perfect and wonderful and holy God. Bringing our hearts into cadence with the heart of God. Understand what I mean when I say bringing our hearts into cadence with the heart of God. God is walking in a rhythm. Praying the Psalms is teaching us to walk in that same rhythm. So that as we step, he steps. As he steps, we step. Where he goes, we go. As we understand love, we love. As we understand his trustworthiness, we become trustworthy. As we understand what it means to lament, we understand how God is lamenting and those things. And, and it, it brings nourishment to our soul. This is really, really important for us to, to understand that this is not a religious activity. This is a means to an end, and the end is walking in cadence with the heart of God. So, what does it mean to pray? The Psalms are songs, poems, prayers. They're ready-made to become prayers. Um, let's walk through these, just these bullet points that are there in your, in your bulletin. I'm on page three of, of the, the little booklet you, got, you have. So, we've, we've talked about all the categories of the Psalms, and that they are intended to bring our hearts to this place of understanding and seeing the perspective of God, looking at God from a different perspective. And now praying them brings this 
well-roundedness. You can pray these psalms word for word. For some of your personality types, that's easy to do. Just pray the psalm. Just read it and, and make it a prayer. For some of you, it's a little bit harder to do that. But I want to encourage you to do that. And sometimes it's okay to just read two verses of a psalm, to just read half a verse of a psalm and allow a word or a phrase to pop out of there to become your prayer. There's a word that shows up all throughout the psalms. Most of the time you don't read it. It's S-E-L-A-H. That word is a Hebrew word that re- literally means stop and think about what you just read. And that's why the psalm, that, the, the very existence of that word in the psalms, it's not something that some, some guy added to the psalm afterward. This is what David intended for us to stop and engage what we just read. And it begins, what that does is push to the front of us a prayer, an idea, a concept about who God is to engage our hearts with it, to help us to walk in cadence with him and round us into that. And so when we read it, wake up in the morning, you, you pull up your phone and you pull up your, your Bible app and skip to the next psalm and you read Psalm 22.3. I have no idea what Psalm 22.3 is, but something jumps out at you in there and it's an attribute or a quality of God. Three simple words and you just stop. And those three simple words in Psalm 22.3 become your prayer for the day. That's what it means to pray the Psalms. And that's why we went through, we took the time to teach about what each one of the the categories of the Psalms were so that when we engage Psalm 22.3, we're understanding that that's a lament psalm. And again, I don't know, I have any idea what Psalm 22.3 is. Maybe it's not lament, I don't know. But let's pretend that it is. So we're understanding that, that we're showing this lament. And so that shapes our heart and shapes our brain. We press this to the front of our mind, and that becomes the pray without ceasing throughout the day. And this is still sort of abstract. We'll get concrete here in a second. The second thing for us to do when it comes to praying the Psalms, you can use them as a guide or direction for what to pray. This is brings your prayers out of just the circumstantial and into the, the big and the great. God, maybe the psalm is about forgiveness. We'll talk about forgive, a forgiveness psalm in a second. So that presses forgiveness into our minds, and, and prayer for the day becomes forgiveness. God, thank you for the forgiveness you've given to me. Help me to forgive other people. And then see if God doesn't bring somebody who just ticks you off into your into your path that day. See if that pressing forgiveness into the front of your mind doesn't say, see that? See that? Forgiveness. Forgive as I've forgiven you. Use them as a guide and direction for what to pray. Third thing there, they are vast in category. We looked at all of them. And thus they keep your prayers rounded. Because there are so many different kinds of psalms, it rounds out our psalms. My heart, my leaning is to artistic sort of things and and to forgiveness sort of things. And I want to go there. And so if it were up to me, I would read psalms like Psalm 130 and Psalm 51 over and over again. And I would just stay there. But God didn't intend for that. He 
There's, there's 150 of them for a purpose. It's to round out our ideas, to round out our thoughts. So my encouragement to you is start with Psalm 1 today. That's, that's an idea. Start with Psalm 1 today. And then you know what you do tomorrow? Psalm 2. And Psalm 3. And then in 150 days, you're at Psalm 150. And at the end of that 150 days, you have seen the vast beauty of the nature of God. And you have engaged the vast beauty and nature of God. And you are fully walking in cadence with him. And these ideas, these concepts are pressing to the front of your brain. Number four there, praying the Psalms often leads you out of or into circumstantial prayer. For me, as I'm praying a prayer of, of, if I read a psalm that centers around forgiveness, it, I'm engaging the forgiveness of God. And then it leads me into a circumstantial prayer sometimes of, man, there's somebody in my life I need to forgive. So psalms and reading them can bring us into or out of circumstantial prayer. So many times we go to pray, we kneel down, we think of the stuff that's stressing us out, and we lay that at God's feet, and then we hop in the shower. Praying the Psalms leads us into and out of circumstantial prayer, presses us beyond just what's stressing us out. The last one here. This is the Word of God. Well, you guys, I, I'm fully appreciative of the fact that I'm up here talking and, and going in and out of your consciousness, and you guys are focused in and out from time to time. I'm not naive enough to think that you're, every one of you are paying 100% of attention all the time. But I would like your attention right now. This is really huge. Praying the Psalms. This allows us to understand that this is the Word of God. As you read the Psalms, understand that this is the Word of God. It will serve to bring you to a place of communing with him. Just listening to his heart. What would, you, what would your marriage be like? What would you, the most important relationship you have in your life, what would it be like if you never listened to a word that that person said? How hurtful is it when you're talking to somebody and you know that they're not paying attention to you? This is the word of God speaking to your heart designed to reveal the character and personality of God to your heart. Pray the Psalms. If the end is abiding, communing, walking with God, pray the Psalms. Uh, flip the ne- to the next page, page four. Journaling. You have here, the next two pages are images from, uh, from my journal, reading Psalm 130. Uh, I want to read Psalm 130 to us all. Uh, it's not on the screen, and it's not in your booklet, so don't try, to, don't try to find it. Just listen. This is, uh, go in and out with my favorite psalm. This is my favorite psalm for the longest time. Uh, psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. 
I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. It's Psalm 130, the very word of God spoken to my heart and to yours to reveal the character of God and to shape us and guide us and give us perspective of what it means to hope and forgive and to love and to trust in redemption and to wait. So I have two examples of my engagement with Psalm 130. This first one, this first journal entry that you see there, and this is just a picture that I took on my phone and printed on, into this booklet. This is what shows. So this is from 2009. And if you connect the dots of what was happening in 2009, and remember, for those of you who've been with us for a while, 2009 was a, a really hard year for, for me. Um, the support that I had raised to plant North Church was going to be gone at the end of 2009. And I knew that was coming, and I knew that we weren't ready yet to be able to, to support me. And so that meant, in my mind, when I wrote this, 2009 is probably going to be it. God, it was great. You shaped us. You, you moved us. You, you allowed us to change some lives. You, you, all these things, it was, it was beautiful. And it, this, was, this was a really vulnerable and hard, difficult time, this moment in 2009. So we're at a, a conference. It was me and Dave, and, and you were there too, right, Jeff? Um, at, a, at a conference, and, and we're, I just listened to, to John Piper speak about waiting and somebody else was, was up on the stage leading a, a, a breakout session or something, I don't remember. And I just walked out into the hallway and sat down with, with Psalm 130 and wrestled with God with what is 2010 going to bring? Is North Church going to be gone? What, what's happening? God, are you going to provide? I was completely confused. My head was a mess. And I just read Psalm 130, and I meditated on Psalm 130, and I journaled Psalm 130. And what you see here is the product of that. On the left is me writing the actual psalm. It did my heart good at that moment to just duplicate it, to write it down. And what you see on kind of the second column there in that box is a prayer that I wrote after sitting and meditating on what God was there. This was a prayer to my heart. So I'm giving you a peek into what happened in my heart, how Psalm 130 led my prayer in that moment. Uh, that second paragraph that's, that's there on the bottom of page four in your booklet. I zeroed in on, in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord, and with the Lord is plentiful redemption. Those phrases and their subject words, hope, wait, and redemption, they became my prayer and my meditation and thus became nourishment to my soul. This is what praying the Psalms does to the heart. And it doesn't matter where you are or, or what's happening. You don't have to have a, a life crisis, a fork in the road coming to engage this psalm. And the beautiful part is every single time, I, I could walk you to this journal where I wrote this. I could walk you to it right now. It sits in my, my insurance office, and 
several times a week, I'll pick it up and leaf through it. I know where particular journal entries are. I could walk you straight to this one. Every single time a crossroads or a need to wait arises in my heart or a need to hope or understanding what hope is, I go here. I go to this journal and I read and I pray and I think about how God used Psalm 130 to shape my heart and shape my prayers in that moment back in 2009 and in the current moment where I was wrestling. This is the beauty of the Psalms. It, it shapes us and guides us and teaches us how and what to pray. It teaches us how and what God is and how we properly relate to him. Here's the flip to the next one. This, is, uh, this happened last week. Last Sunday, I wrote in my journal, that journal right there, uh, this image that you see there. The, this is kind of a double page there. You see the, kind of the binding in the middle of, of the image. Uh, the big word, forgiveness. If you remember, the call to worship that I spoke last week was, forgive me because I've called us to pray and I haven't been praying. I was in need of forgiveness in my heart. And so I, I connected with that. And so I wrote this big giant word, forgiveness, before I walked up here. And then most of what you see written on the left side of that page was me writing and engaging God during the sermon. How God was moving my heart to forgiveness. Writing about what I thought forgiveness was. And then I took it that afternoon, sat down with my computer, and Google searched all of my favorite authors, all my favorite pastors on forgiveness. And and the rest of what you see there is a product of that. This is me meditating on this concept of forgiveness. And then the second part of the page is just thoughts about what forgiveness was. Um, Lance Armstrong's name shows up there. You see that. And I had just recently been hanging out with some guys who were talking about my heart wanted to forgive Lance. And then I was with some close friends, eight or ten guys sitting around a table, and, and it's like, dude, this guy is a punk. He's scum. And, and my, in that conversation, I'm like, yeah, he is. He just stepped on people knowing he was a liar. Then I heard this thought. What if the world got to see your weakest moment on display? What would you want? And I don't want to get into the specific case of Lance Armstrong, but I do want to get into the specific case of what it means to forgive, what it means to be forgiven, and to just sit there and think about it. Think about what it means to be forgiven when somebody really angers you. There's a disconnect in your relationship. When I really upset my wife, or when my wife really upsets me, it just paralyzes me. And something has to happen in our relationship for us to really engage who we're supposed to be as a married couple. And this is, when I think about forgiveness, these are the things that I think about. And then I go back to the Psalms, and I see in Psalm 130, it says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. With you, God, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. You have bridged the gap so that I can engage your heart. 
And I can know you and I can interact with you because of your forgiveness that you may be feared, that I may properly understand how I relate to you. This is forgiveness. This is what it means to forgive. Flip to the next page. Okay, I've, I've shown you what I did with Psalm 130. Now, for the last time we're together, just a few minutes here, we're going to do this together. We're going to meditate, and we're going to journal, and we're going to talk. Start getting nervous if you don't like to talk to people. Psalm 43. Let's read this together. And as we read this, I'm going to ask you, as we read this, I want you to grab a pen. Seriously, grab a pen. Um, Because I'm going to want you to write down words or phrases just kind of explode into your mind. And you shouldn't have to look too hard because this one is rich. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Permission to question God given to you by the word of God in Psalm 43. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre, an instrument, a harp-like thing, upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? David, a crazy dude, talking to himself. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance, countenance and my God. So here's your exercise right now. Write down the words or phrases that jump into your mind, jump into your heart, explode into your soul. Write them down. If there's not enough room there, flip over to the, to the back page. Okay, step two in this process um, to help you. Person next to you, you guys take turns, share with the person next to you what you wrote. Listen to the person next to you, engage them, help them to understand and help you to understand what they wrote. Engage the psalm, engage their words or phrases that jumped into their minds. Out loud. Okay, uh, what I'd like for the, the next sort of step in this process, and, and the, the, there's, a, there's a method and a purpose behind everything that we just did. Uh, one is to teach us to just engage words or phrases and think deeply about them so that the, the character of God can be revealed to our hearts and can guide what we actually pray for. You talked with the person next to you to help you kind of learn and understand what, is, what other people are thinking. Sometimes just left to ourselves, we kind of miss that or miss out on it. But when you hear somebody else, what engaged their heart, that can kind of remind us and help us and think us. And you will get better at this as you go along. And again, this isn't, this, this whole morning 
isn't just, you know, another sermon. This is an opportunity for us. This is me putting a, a tool in your hands to, to push you towards understanding and walking in communion with God and what it means to pray the wholeness of who God is. And so all these steps are, are about getting us to that point. And so what I would like for you to do for like just a, a minute and, and intentionally just a minute is pray silently asking God to connect your heart with maybe one thing or two things that you wrote and that he would push that to the front of your brain so that it's 6.30 tonight when you engage something, you engage a, dis- a despairing heart. Why are, you at, why are you in despair within me? And then read the hope that comes after that. So those things would be Psalm 43 and what's in there. And the prayer of David would become your prayer so that it would be your guide and your walk through your life. And that we would understand and be equipped to engage this world and to engage God while engaging this world. So take just a minute to pray that God would connect your heart with whatever it is that you wrote down. And by the way, you wrote down the word of God. And ask God to connect your heart with that and to press that to the front of your brain. And that be your pray without ceasing thought for Sunday, January 27th. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us. God, I thank you for the Psalms. God, I pray that they would cause us to to know you, to see you, to to burden us, Father. We, God, we want to be a people who pray. God, we submit ourselves to you. We confess by our very prayers that we're in desperate need of you, God. God, teach us how to pray. Lead us in how to pray. In Christ's name, amen.